this is Robert Newman. I'm here with John. Today is episode number 304 of the MailRight Real Estate Marketing Podcast. And John has a surprise for me today. Now, the second half of the show, I know what it's about. We're going to be talking about the podcasting again and how you can leverage that for your real estate business. The first part of the show, though, John has uh, a little surprise to me that has something to do with the CEO of Redfin and an interview that he did, and he just want to kind, kind of want to have an open-air dialogue with my surprise face, or for those of you listening, my surprise voice. So welcome to the show. We're super excited to get started, but before we do, why don't uh, I have those of you that don't know him already be introduced to my amazing co-host, John, 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 founder of uh, Melody. Oh, thank you so much, Robert. You're so nice to me. Uh, um, so, yeah, I'm the founder of MailRite. If you're looking to have your own website, and you should have your own website, not your broker's website, and you need to control your marketing message, come to MailRite. We'll build your website. We've got a host of other features, and we build it all on WordPress, and you own your own website. So that's important. You're not leasing. You, you're you're you own your own local branding. Back over to you, Robert. Uh, beautiful. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, my name is Robert Newman. I'm the founder of Inbound REM. Uh, John uh, asked me to help him with the show. Well, help him co-host the show with him years ago. We've now done close to 200 episodes, or we're well, maybe 170, one somewhere in there. So that's a lot of shows to do. And I used to specialize in SEO. I still specialize in it. But truth be told, uh, I'm now kind of a generalist, thanks to this show and John and his beautiful stewardship. So with no further ado, John, uh, there's the wind-up. Surprise me, my man. Right. So um, as I was saying, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot of them are not specifically to do the real estate industry. There's one particular that I've been listening to for years, and that's called This Week in Startups, and it's hosted by a famous individual in Silicon Valley and in the VC industry, Jason Calacanis. Um, I think he's he's up to 1,010 episodes or something, Robert. He's done more than us. Uh, um, and he was interviewing a personal friend of his, and that was Glenn Kalman. Kalman. Hopefully, I'm not butchering Glenn's second name. And he is the founder and CEO of Redfin. And Jason interviewed Glenn for over an hour about what he saw as where the real estate market is, where it's going to be in a year's time. What Redfin is trying to do and trying to do in the future. And I uh, I was doing my morning walk and I was listening to this conversation and I re-listened to it a few days ago. And I've come to this conclusion that with what has happened around the virus, around the pandemic and the virus, and the over 18 months that a lot of people either are being on furlough 
or they've lost their job or they're doing their job remotely at home. And, you know, a few months ago, we hoped that we were at a stage that we would see the back of this virus. Unfortunately, that hasn't totally panned out. But if it had anyway, um, things are not going to go back to what they were like before the pandemic. That is pretty obvious. And what I mean by that is that a lot of people who used to have to commute hour, half, hour and a half, some people had to commute two hours plus to get to their office to do their job. They, they're not, A, they're not going to have to do that, or B, they're going to refuse to do that. And if they've got a skill that's in demand, if they're forced to do that commute again, they're going to bail. They're going to go with another company that allows them to work out at home. Some people don't want to work at home because they've got, too small a place or they can't concentrate. But most people faced with an hour plus commute, the last thing they want to do is to go back to that because most people, not all people, but most people hate commuting. So what? how does this affect um, real estate and how does this affect Redfin? Well, mm-hmm. Um, it affects because those institutions, those that invested heavily in commercial real estate, not straight away because most of the people that have signed contracts for commercial property, unless they've got a clear break clause or a way of buying out of their lease, they're not going to be able to walk away from that lease, even if they wish to. But what it does mean that over the next few years, that the commercial real estate um, sector is going to be semi-destroyed. Don't get me wrong. If you've got a premier office or office block in a premier location in San Francisco or in Dallas, you're probably going to be okay. But I'm talking about in the suburbs, middle-sized, smaller office complexes, the writing's on the wall, folks. You know, the market isn't going to go back. And when it came to investments, you know, hedge funds, other large finance investment entities, they really invested a lot of their money into commercial property in the domestic US market and abroad. And what's going to happen to the commercial retail industry is not just going to happen in America. We're talking about a, a global phenomenon where people are just not going to work in offices so much or not work in offices at all. They're going to work remotely. And this is going to have a tremendous consequence to these financial companies. So 
how are they going to deal with this enormous change? Well, they're going to look to invest their money somewhere else. And the reason why they like commercial property is that you have an underlying asset and you have a, a regular payment and it's not particularly high risk and it's not particularly that difficult to understand the fundamentals. So it's very attractive for people that have large amounts of money to invest in that sector. So how, what alternative are they going to find? Mm-hmm. Well, this is where Redfin, Zillow, and Open Door, and of their like, this is the vacuum which they are planning to fill. Because these companies, Redfin, don't get me wrong, I think Glenn Carman is a hugely intelligent individual. And Redfin's um, share price has gone up quite considerably over the past couple of years. But I would suggest that is more to do with, with what we've seen in the real estate market. I've always been critical of the actual business model because I just don't think it's gelled completely. Uh, um, But what these companies like Redfin are planning, they're planning to cut everybody out. They want to cut out the real estate agent. They want to cut out the broker. They want to cut out the mortgage broker. They want to cut everybody. Everybody's cut. In, in the sale of a house. They want to cut out the small wholesaler or the individual that flips a home. They want to cut everybody. They want all the gravy for themselves. And they mean to become a wholesaler, the real estate agent, the finance broker, all in one. And mm-hmm. then... They propose, this is what I feel that they are planning, is to bundle a whole load of homes which they have bought and then sell them to hedge funds. Now, hedge funds normally are not in the business of buying individual homes. They will go to a builder and build a whole development and buy the whole development off the builder. And we've seen... We've seen that happen recently, but they're not in normally in the business. They did enter the market in the last Great Recession, but they bought whole packages of homes from banks. Um, that's how they do business. Well, this is what Redfin and Zillow are planning. They're planning to package whole bundles of homes and sell them direct to the finance, brokerages, hedge funds, whoever wants to buy, um, like you get a hedge fund, they want to buy 200 homes in Dallas. Well, they just go to Zillow and Zillow will have 200 homes to sell to them. This is what they're planning. Um, Before I give you another bit, what, what do you think of what I've just stated, Robert? Well, okay. I mean, um, I guess my first statement is it seems like this is something that really caught your interest. Um, 
I don't think it's anything different than what we've talked about. I don't think it's anything different. I think that uh, as a broad statement, the search portals, which is Redfin, Trulia, Homes.com, they've been all competing for an ever-decreasing slice of market share because they're all basically just competing for search, which was the model that they got into since 2010. That model is is a little bit oversaturated. It has been for a long time. Redfin is in that model too. So everybody seems to be looking for what's the next thing. It's like, oh, we own all the search, which effectively means that we should own a big piece of the real estate business, buying and selling. That's what everybody's saying right now. It doesn't matter whether it's Redfin. You're just saying, this is my thoughts about what Redfin's strategy is. Not but only true. Redfin, but Zillow, Open Door. Right. And Open Door just just uh, had $1.2 billion worth of, of transactions. I think as a general rule, I do think that we're basically going to watch how is digitization going to affect real estate. Now, at a very broad level, my opinion about that is that number one, we're going to see virtual play a big part of it. Number two, we are going to see these portals own a very big piece of the real estate business. I think that Virtual, it hasn't yet stepped into the real estate market in the way that you'd expect it to, but I do think it's going to. And I think if the pandemic continues to plague uh, the U.S. in any way, I do believe that just like even if it's just the news headlines, let's say 70 percent of the people get you know vaccinated, but there's still a couple holdout states where people aren't getting vaccinated. And now all of a sudden those states have outbreaks and that captures the headlines, which is basically what's happening right now. I think that we're going to, we're watching. So how does that affect what you're saying? I, I, like, do I have any specific opinions about, about Redfin's specific strategy? If you're going to say they're bringing it in house, they're, they're trying to figure out ways to own their particular piece of market share. I agree. Whether that's packaging homes up and selling them to hedge funds or not. I don't know about that. Um, at the end of the day, somebody has to unload the homes onto homeowners there are ways to make your money on the back end. If you're doing everything, you can make your money on the note. You can make your money, uh, but it, but still, because real estate agents make their money on the commission of buying and selling the home. Big, 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 huge institutional investors wouldn't necessarily have to do that. There's so many different ways to make your, yourself money inside the whole transaction. You've got the title fees. You've got the transaction fees. You've got the mortgage fees. So there's all these different ways you could literally say, I'm going to eliminate the commission for buying and selling the home, but make my money if the client is going to buy the note from me and still be making two, three points on the entire transaction. There's so much money inside real estate, inside the whole transaction pie. A big company could split it up any number of different ways. Yeah, you're totally spot on just to finish off because the big problem with wholesaling was or is is it only attracts a minority of clients, those that want a very quick sell for various reasons, those that are in financial distress for some reason, or they've been handed a property out of state through death and it's just a hassle to deal with it remotely so they want to sell it quickly. And normally, um, when it comes to property, if you're in a distressed situation or a distressed time situation, you're not going to get the best price for the property. You're going to have to, if you want a quick sell, unless it's a very hot 
market, which we've just seen, right. it normally you have to sell it and you sell it at a discount, at a wholesale discount. And that can be quite considerable from 25 to over 30%, depending on your personal circumstance and the condition of the house. But what yeah. Redfin are talking about is that they're going to go for volume and they've got already buyers lined up, i.e. financial institution. They're going to do the whole, their cut, because they're also they're getting a cut from all the other profit centres which you have described. Their, their wholesale cut is going to be a lot lower than the traditional model. That's so. That is, I think that we're well past our break. Take a look yeah. at that. So we need to go for our break. <laughs> okay. I normally say that to you, don't I? So we need to yes. go for our break. And we're going to delve into podcasting, aren't we? Yes. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, real estate professionals of all ages and levels of experience, we're super excited that you tuned into Mel Right. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about how we, you can make podcasting uh, a part of your marketing strategy. We'll be right back. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy to use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no question asked 30-day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. Welcome back to the Mail Right Show. We're in episode number 304. Uh, John just wrapped up a segment on his thoughts on where Redfin is going uh, in, in the marketplace of tomorrow. And now we're going to drift back to a topic that we started uh, in episode number 302 of the Mail Right Show, where we're talking about the real estate podcasting. I'll, unfortunately, John, I don't actually remember exactly where we left off in that in that long conversation. I know, I know, shock, shocking, and All surprise. Right. Uh, but I'm so, I'm so shocked to hear that, Robert. Right, right, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. But I do. I know. normally have this effect on Robert. He doesn't really remember much of what I say to him. I no, I don't remember where we met. I just don't remember where we, you and I collectively left off in that show. But I do know that we agreed that we're going to talk about real estate podcasting again yeah. a second I, time. Hopefully you have a starting point to kick us off. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll take I, us Luckily, I, I do remember where we ended. And it was basically... Um, we went through a very broad description of why you should be looking at podcasting as a means of marketing yourself in your local community or city as a method to make yourself stand out in a very competitive market. And just to finish that off, because I in this, I just want to go through some of the actual um, equipment and some of the mechanics that you need to know. I just want to quickly finish off where I ended um, in our last discussion around podcasting. Mm -hmm. And one of the great things is it's become so much easier to do podcasting. And the reason is the pandemic, um, the virus, because so many people that weren't used, one of the problems with doing podcasting before the pandemic 
was that a lot of people didn't have a headphone, a decent mic. They didn't know how to use Zoom. They didn't know how to use Skype. When you called them up, you spent about half hour trying to work out how to how they could get connected. And the sound quality was normally dreadful. If it wasn't somebody that was either in marketing or promoting their business or service through appearing on podcasts, their sound quality and the loops that you had to go through were painful. But okay. because of because of the pandemic, most people, um, the type of people that you're probably going to want to interview in your local podcast have probably got used to using Zoom. <clears throat> they've probably invested in a proper mic system and they've got used to how to use that system. So it's going to be a lot easier to actually do interviews with local shakers and movers or people that your target audience would be interested in. Is that making sense, Robert? Yes. Yeah. Now, um, <clears throat> you've got two choices to make when it comes to interviewing. Either you do the interviewing like what we do, because Robert lives in California and I live in Nevada, so it's not physically possible for this to do this in a location, we do it over Zoom. So, um, and we either do an internal show, like what we are doing now, or we interview a guest. But um, you've got the same choice. Um, do you do it all remotely through Zoom, or do you go to these shakers and movers in your local community and you interview them at them at their place of work or their office. Well, both have their strengths and weaknesses. You know, um, like I say, um, until the pandemic, in some ways it was easier to go to their office because you could take your own equipment, you could set it up, <clears throat> and it meant that you didn't have to go through all the nightmares of trying to get somebody to teach them how to use Zoom or how to use a mic. Uh, you just didn't have to deal with that. But because of the pandemic, it's much easier now because people understand how to use Zoom. So I think when it comes to time, obviously, um, you can interview more people more efficiently over Zoom and like book one or two people um, and recalled it through Zoom and the sound quality. I recalled our shows through Zoom and the sound quality and the compression that Zoom uses is quite effective. And then I send it to an editor who has been working for, for me for the past four years now. He, he lives in Chile. Um, um, and he edited. Ed, I've never met the gentleman, um, but he's always been very responsive, and he's a member of my team now. Or <clears throat> you could choose to still go to people's offices. 
why would you do that? Because it's it's a lot more time consuming, isn't it? Well, you, you would do that because I don't care what anybody says. You know, I have only met Robert through Zoom, and mm. I classify Robert as a friend, but I've never met Robert in person, and. Yeah, you know, I would still classify Robert as a friend, but it's not the same as meeting Robert in person. Um, you can't, you can never, it's like if you were dating, yeah, you might you might have a conversation with somebody on Zoom about the possibility of meeting, but it can never replace actually physically meeting that individual uh, connected to building a real re- relationship with that person so you're not only doing the podcasting to build an audience and, and to build your brand, you're also doing it to make real relationships with the type of people in your local community that could be great resources for sending possible clients to you, introducing you to people that might also be able to introduce clients to you in building your network because to be a real effective agent i feel you've got to be effective online but you still got to build your local network what do you reckon about that robert um i of course i agree with everything you're saying about equipment about building networks about about basically everything related to podcasting. And of course, I agree with the fact that you need the right kind of equipment. I think you can do it inexpensively. I think that you do have to. uh, I do think that the... uh, I have been on the phone my entire career, John. Some of the things you're, you're talking about almost sound foreign to me because many, if not most of my business relationships are built up entirely with what you are referring to as virtually. Like you, you get to be a master of looking at or hearing somebody's intonation. And when you start developing a lot of relationships by sound or by visual, you get used to it. It's just to say, it's just a slightly different concept than building them in person. And honestly, at this late stage in my career, I prefer to build all of my relationships virtually as opposed to get in a car and drive somewhere or get on a plane and, and fly somewhere. The concept well, I'm of sure, like, I'm sure you, I, I'm sure you're not including your dating relationships, are you? Well, except for those, yes. Right. Uh, but a lot of those are run virtually to a degree too. A lot of that connection is done via text or other messages because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm busy. Yeah. So I don't actually nurture those as much as some of those partners would like in person. I do it. But I think I think we got to understand because of your background, and I'm just the same. Uh, there's a lot of people in the WordPress community that I would classify as friends that I've never I have known for over eight years now, Robert. I've never met them. I've never met them once, but I. The reason why I put that bit in is that I think we are growing. We were quite unusual in a way, but also what we're what you've just stated is rapidly, I wouldn't say becoming the norm, but growing. But I still think for a lot of people that are not used to it, like yourself with your prior history that they find it easier to build real connection when it's face-to-face. Right. 
Um, I and I don't, you know, it's funny too because once you're face to face, there's a lot of intricacies that involve building those relationships that's very different than building them digitally or building them by phone. There's things that you, you're in control of when you're doing it by phone that you're not in control of when you're in person. And finding easy outs or excuses if a meeting isn't going well is one of them. Um, so my answer to your, your overall statement is, I believe that podcasting is long overdue. It essentially is taking radio or the concept of radio, which has been a powerful concept in our society since the 1930s. The sound of people's voices and the stories that they tell is never going to go away in terms of how important or impactful it is. There are, there are literally thousands of you listening to the sound of my voice right now, which confuses me because I don't think I have a great voice. But you're listening to it because maybe you think I have something to say, but it moves us. It, it's powerful. And that's so if you're thinking, I think that what John tried to say eloquently is, hey, don't forget those those old school ways of marketing yourself. But podcasting should not be underestimated in terms of a fairly easy fairly cheap equipment wise way to get into producing kinds of content. And I, what didn't you read? Didn't we read the statistics the last time that we did this and like look up really quickly? I looked up how many people are actually listening to podcasts just on the regular. It's like 180 million people listen and something like 60 million people consider themselves to be avid podcast followers. Isn't that, wasn't that roughly the number? It's, it was, and it's growing. And um, don't worry, listeners and viewers, about the equipment. I will have some links to some inexpensive equipment in the show notes supporting this podcast. Also, I think probably in September, when we don't have a guest, we probably have to do a part three about podcasting because I did take up a lot of time in the first <laughs> half of this show explaining my thoughts about Redfin and Zillow and Open Door. I just wasn't choosing Redfin. Um, it just was on my radar because I listened to that interview with Glenn Carmen. But um, I think in September when we don't have a guest, um, we have to do a part three where I go into the actual physical equipment as well. Um, but I totally agree with what you just said. We need to wrap it up, don't we? Uh, and over back over to you, Robert. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, so here's a couple of last details that you need. So one of those things that, uh, that John is talking about is he's talking about uh, he found the episode on a show called This Week in Startups, which honestly I've never followed and I didn't really even know until John introduced it to me. The show's date was August 6th, 2021. If you want to know what John is referring to, it's episode 1261. Um, and uh, you can go ahead and look that up if you're curious to know what put John on one. Um, that's the show that he's referring to. Uh, other than that, we really appreciate you listening to our little podcast because our podcast is small in comparison to the one that he's referencing. But uh, we're growing all the time. It's because of amazing people like you. If any of you know somebody in the real estate business that is struggling or is asking simple questions about real estate marketing, like what platform should they use or should they try postcards or uh, should they, you know, should they give up because they're worried about what's going to happen in the future, which is what, where you would refer them to this episode. Um, I'm going to say, please oh, have a I'm conversation. Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. 
But I was just, I was saying that's what they were hope. That's what he, that's what I think he, that's what their plan of action. I'm not saying that I feel that it's going to be successful because I think there's all sorts of questions around legality and ethics and a host of legal and political and all sorts of things. But we, I couldn't delve into that. Maybe in September we'll have another look at that as well. Sounds perfect. I, I wasn't inferring that. I was just saying, hey, sometimes people call me and they say, hey, should I give up? And I tell them, no, this is the best time in the world. The best time, everybody. These platforms are moving in and changing so much because they're losing market share and you just don't see it. But I do. They're losing market share, which is why they're getting into other markets at such a rapid clip. Literally every single one of these guys, if the old model was still working for them, they wouldn't be trying to shake up their business. But the business is already shaking up. And so that's my comment to what John just said. But let's save the rest for another episode. Like us on Apple iTunes, please, please, please look at whatever John posts on the male hyphen right YouTube channel. And at some point, guys, I will probably get around to reproducing these videos and doing my own little spin on them uh, on my channel. But in the meantime, you can find I have a whole section dedicated to podcasts on inboundrem.com. All right, guys, have a great day. John and I appreciate you. See you on the next show.